because it doesn't matter how well I prepare for what they're going to say, it don't matter. Guy would almost just do well to not prepare, but you know that ain't going to fly. Yeah, so I want to encourage everybody to be back at 6 o'clock tonight. Life groups, we are only two weeks out on that, aren't we? September is when we're going to start life groups. Your leaders should have already reached out to you or they're in the process of reaching out to you still to get the logistics locked on. Should have gotten your letter. If you didn't get a letter and you're participating, see me and I'll tell you who your group leader is so you can get that information from them. <clears throat> also, you guys know what next Sunday is? We got fifth Sunday next Sunday. Looking forward to spending some time in fellowship with you after the, after the worship. I think that's still on the schedule. So put that in your calendars and your crock pots or whatever you want to put it in and come on down and be here with us. Young Adult Retreat is coming up in October. See Austin for information on that. If you want to be a part of the Thanksgiving basket build, see Nick for that. Uh, and just by way of reminder before we get into the lesson this morning, continue to keep uh, those who are in our prayer list, in your prayers, we've got the COVID folks that are out there, uh, and it would appear that their numbers are climbing and everything else, but it's interesting because we get some added to the list who have COVID, and we get some taken off who had COVID. Uh, so it just almost seems to maintain an equilibrium, but let's continue to be praying for them. But I wanted to just give you guys a little bit of encouragement, warning, however you want to take it. Let's not be blinded by COVID, it seems that that's all we ever want to talk about anymore, isn't it? And I think the enemy has used that to blind us to what's important. And so I'm just going to leave you with a question. Uh, who do you talk about more, COVID or Jesus? And does that dictate what's really important to us? I think the enemy is playing games with us, guys. And I know, without a, without a shadow of a doubt, that greater is the power that is within us than the power that's in the world. We don't need to play his game. We do need to play the master's game, though. So let's continue to be looking to Jesus in all that we're doing and keeping the main thing the main thing. We find ourselves in Mark chapter 10 this morning. If you want to open up your Bibles to it, that's where we'll spend a lot of our time today. We'll also be back and forth into Philippians for a little bit of it too. But there's a section of the text, it's a very small section of the text that we're actually going to be focusing on. But before we get there, let's talk about JesusTrail.com. Anybody ever heard of Jesus Trail? The Jesus Trail? It's kind of a cool thing, right? It's a 40-mile hiking route that will take you from Nazareth to Capernaum. Up on the screen is a picture of a section of the Jesus Trail. And there's different ways that you can experience the Jesus Trail. You can have a self-guided tour where, they, where you just go off on your own. You can take the guided tour where you hire a person to walk with you and tell you all of the different things that are going on. You can walk it. You can run it, which doesn't make any sense to me but there's people that it does. You can run it, or you could ride a bike on it, and for as low as $819 a person, you can walk in places that Jesus walked. That sounds cool, doesn't it? I, I don't know about you, but I just think it sounds cool. But it's tourism. That's all it is. 
It's tourism, right? Because you, you, you pay your ticket for Jesus Trail, you're not living there. You're just going to visit. You're going to spend that little bit of time walking that 40 mile or riding a bike on the 40 mile trail, and then you're done with that. In fact, if we were all to buy tickets and go over there and do this, it's over when we come home. We're not setting up residency. It's a trip. It's a vacation. It's tourism. And tourism is nothing more than a commercial organization of vacations and places of interest. That's it. Here's the rub, guys. We've been spending the last several weeks in the book of Mark following what we've been calling the Trailblazer series. As Jesus is leading us, he's blazing, he's a pioneer of the path that he's called us to walk on. Have we come across anywhere in Mark where Jesus has called us to be tourists? That's not what he's calling us to be. He's not asking us to say, hey, here's the deal. Just be a tourist for a while, visit you know, the path that I'm walking, and you can follow me on your own uh, and do those types of things. And whenever you're ready to hop off and go back home, that's okay too. Or has he actually called us to something far greater than tourism when he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor like yourself. And if we're being honest, I think this is where the greatest challenge for each of us comes in as Christians, that we have to love him all of him, with all of ourselves, that we have to devote all of it to him. Remembering where we are in the grand scheme of things, understanding that we, we are the ones who were rescued. We are the ones that were pulled out of slavery, and he deserves all of it. To give him anything less is just being a tourist. And we struggle with that, don't we? We like climbing up on the altar until he gets uncomfortable and then we'll just remove ourselves off of it for a bit. And I, I don't think that we're alone in this challenge. In fact, I think the disciples also had a problem you know, with understanding what Jesus is calling them to do. And while it might not be a physical path, and at times it will be, but not always, this is the message and his disciples are going to struggle with this. And there is a constant debate among the disciples, isn't there? For any of us that are familiar with the Gospels, we know what that constant debate is. What is it? Who is the greatest? Everybody knows who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? Yes. In the boxing world, Muhammad Ali. But in terms of Jesus and his ministry, who is the greatest? The one who is least is the greatest. The one who serves is the greatest. This is the message Jesus has been presenting to his disciples through all of this. And, and you look at Mark chapter 10, uh, we see it kind of manifested there in verse 35. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said, teacher, <laughs> we want you to do whatever we ask of you. That takes guts, doesn't it? Now, you're walking with 10 other guys, and you and your bro are like, hey, we know we're better than them, right? Let's just go get from Jesus what we deserve. So, master, here's the deal. I know, me and my brother, we've talked this thing out. We've got it figured out. We're better than all those guys, so you just give us whatever we want. And I love Jesus' response to it. He says, uh, you guys sure you can handle that request? You sure you're able to drink the cup? Oh, yeah, we can drink it. We can drink it. 
this question, the, the debates that they have is all based off of the idea that they are better than someone else. And notice, throughout their ministry, <clears throat> they are constantly trying to keep people away from Jesus. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter. Gentiles want to see Jesus. Whoa, buddy. You mean you back your Gentile up? And then in chapter 10, verse 13 of Mark, they, this would be the crowds, everyone that is always around Jesus when he's teaching and doing these things, they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Boy, it would almost seem, and I know that none of us have this problem, but it would almost seem as if the disciples think that the kingdom and all that it entails is something that they're going to make happen. That they're going to they're gonna walk into the kingdom as if it's an achievement gained from effort. And as Jesus, in this section of text, works to correct their thinking through all of this. Because the kingdom of God is not something that is taken. The kingdom of God is something that is received. We get given that. Okay? So there's no taking of the kingdom. It's a reception aspect that he, Jesus is talking about here. And it's similar to Jesus using the children in his example of receiving them. And so here's a, guys, this is a little sidebar here. How many of us can't stand it when we hear a baby cry in church? I know there's people that are like that. And you're no, that mentality is no different than what the disciples are presenting here. We don't want the master to get disrupted by a child. Really? Do we think that little of the master? <laughs> Come on now. That there's an attitude of, of superiority in, the, in that way of thinking that Jesus rebukes, that it makes him upset. He's indignant about these things. In God's kingdom, he presents to us, he says, listen guys, you, you've missed the point here. God's kingdom isn't something that you, you take, take upon yourself. He, it embraces you, similar to what I'm doing with this child here. In fact, uh, if you can't receive the kingdom like a child, well, then there's no way you're ever going to get into it. Now, I want us to notice something here. The word children in chapter 10 and verse 14, the word child in chapter 10 and verse 15, you can actually go back to chapter 9 and verse 37. The word is all there being used. <clears throat> When we, he, when we read that word, what age, what age do we think of? Two-year-old? Maybe a baby? Six at the most on the outset? All right, because most six-year-olds, unlike us, you know, who had full-time jobs when we were six years old and had to walk, to walk to school uphill both ways and 12 feet of snow without shoes, This word literally means a child in training. And in the Jewish community, that could be upwards of 20 years old. And while that's interesting, it's what it actually means that we need to be paying attention to. When Jesus says child or children, 
He is talking about someone who makes no tangible contribution to the household. Kind of like our teenagers. No, you guys laugh. I'm not joking about that. Real quick, guys. Any of you guys have jobs? Anybody paying rent? Helping mom out with the grocery bill? Electricity, water, gas? What are you doing? What do you do for your household? Come on, you got to be doing something. You don't do anything for the household? Chores? Why do you do chores? Is that a tangible contribution, though? Maybe sometimes. I don't think so. I think that's just you're doing what you're supposed to do, but that's just me. No tangible contribution to the household. Grab onto that with your brain pans and let it sink in. We're going to sing the song Rock of Ages as an invitation. And the reason it was, we're singing it is because this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Because one of the lines in the song says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked. I got nothing. Come to you for dress. Helpless. I have to look to you for grace. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, the New Living puts it this way. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. Guys, when you come to Jesus, when you're presented with the gospel, what do you bring to the table that makes you attractive? Do you have any tangible thing to offer him? Nothing. We have nothing. And if we can't accept that from the outset, we will never be able to receive the kingdom. We cannot come with a sense of superiority. We cannot come thinking that we're greater than someone else. We have to come in the position that we actually are in. And that is the biggest problem that we see in the text with the disciples' behavior. Because when you look at everything that is happening, and when Jesus says something that, he doesn't, that they don't understand, they're going to be the first ones to ask questions. They do not question him on this. They knew what was expected. They knew what was meant. And they also recognized that when Jesus rebukes, and he's indignant with them also. Now, why would Jesus put it this way to them? Why would Jesus be teaching these things? Well, because that's the attitude that we see Jesus presenting. When we start talking about interest, right, this attitude of putting the world's interest to death, Jesus is the one who calls them, calls us to it, and he's the one who does it first. And I think they get that at the beginning, right? You see Peter, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Remember that? And how powerful that confession is that Peter makes to Jesus. And now all of a sudden he's like, well, I know I'm better than you guys. Let's just keep the kids away from the master. But the longer they walked with Jesus, the more the enemy worked on their minds and their thought process and they allowed those things to happen and now all of a sudden they're just too big for their britches. 
we have any hope of receiving the kingdom, it will only come through the confession that we have no tangible offering to bring. Nothing. And that confession isn't a one-time confession. It has to be a continual confession. It needs to be a lifestyle that we live. Go back to our reading in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, we could think that this could just discourage us to not want to do what Jesus is calling us to do. And I think that Paul erases that doubt, that discouragement from us in this text. He said, if there's any encouragement in Christ, and trust me, there's a lot, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassionate, and compassion, excuse me, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness. Don't be selfish, y'all. I like Nick's translation on that. Or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Why do we do this? Why, are we, why, why is Paul saying, do this? Because, in verse 5, have this attitude, what I just wrote down, all of these four verses previous, have this attitude in yourselves because it was also in Jesus. Although he, he existed in the form of God, he didn't even regard equality with God as something to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being made in the likeness of me. And I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. If there is no lesson that we learn from Jesus, we need to understand what humility and where we actually fall in the grand scheme of things is from what he did by becoming flesh. He would empty himself to become like me? Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And to them, to folks back then, this was like the epitome of death, right? The path Jesus leads us down is not one of superiority, and it's not one of self-reliance. It's not one that says, because I'm so awesome, Jesus had to take me. But because I was willing to admit, to confess, to say this, but actually, by the way, confession means to say what God thinks in this, in this idea. But to confess that I have nothing to bring except my sin, but yet he still saves and he still allows us to receive the kingdom because of that faith and because of that confession. The path Jesus is leading us down is one that is utterly reliant on him. We can receive nothing from no one else. Because we bring no tangible contribution to the table. 
Philippians chapter 3 says this. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put, underline it if it's not, no confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Hey, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, whatever I did that was just so awesome, And so amazing, I counted them as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. If it's not underlined, underline it not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Children are needy. Children are helpless. How needy are we? How helpless are we? On a regular basis. You know, are we still as needy as we were when we called on him the first time? Do we still, actually, I should say this because the answer on that is yes, we are still as needy as we were when we called on him the first time. Do we still feel as needy as we did when we called on him the first time? Or maybe we just got a little too big for our britches and decided that tourism was the way to go for us. We set up shop where we're comfortable for a little bit of time, and then we back out of it and just go home. Do we still feel like we bring no tangible contribution to the table like we did when we first called on him? Because I want you guys to pay attention to what Paul said in Philippians 3 there. He says, listen, I did all sorts of awesome stuff. And according to society and culture, I was the man among men. Was he not? Right, I have a friend of mine, a friend of ours calls Paul the super Jew because of that description that's in Philippians chapter three. That he's a, Paul, the super Jew here. Could Paul do wrong? Oh, not according to Paul. But he says, all that awesome stuff I did, I was willing to throw that away when it came to Jesus. In fact, not just that stuff, but anything anything that's going to get in the way of Jesus losing his 
place of preeminence in my life, that's garbage. I chuck it. Because I understand that I still need to be presented before the master as one who is needy. I still need to be presenting myself before the master as one who really doesn't bring any significant great thing to the table. And guys, we are no different. Our opinion of ourselves matters little. In fact, I would say it matters not at all. And that's the attitude that we need to be bringing to the master. So we're going to stand and sing a song. The song is Rock of Ages. Do you believe what you sing when you say, nothing in my hand I bring? Or have you allowed yourself to fall prey to the same thing that Christians throughout the ages have fallen prey to? That you've lost the neediness, you've lost the helplessness, the feeling of helplessness, and need to get reconnected back with the Lord, to receive the kingdom, to be embraced by the master the same way he was embracing children. He's waiting for you. And this can be for the first time or for the hundredth time, or if you're like me, the millionth time. But he's always ready when we make the confession. If you need the help of the body, you need counsel from the elders, prayers, ready to make that confession and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Whatever it is that we can do for you, we encourage you to come forward and make that known while we stand and sing.